Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. Super Elaine, everyone. And Jumbo. That is Swahili and Maasai, the hello greeting. And I don't think they have a word for howdy. <laughs> uh, we're glad to be back and glad to be amongst our friends and family again. But oh, what a life-changing experience that was for us to uh, be in Kenya. Yeah, there's no special guest today to interview. You just have Scott and I, and we're going to share with you the great and wondrous things that we learned on our humanitarian trip to Kenya with the group 100 Humanitarians. And 100 Humanitarians means that 100 people in any setting, in any place in the world, working together can do wonderful things. Yep. What is the power of 100 people working together on many projects in the world to create change? There are only 12 of us. Isn't that what I said? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> there were 12 of us, though, on this expedition, along with our three Maasai drivers, Moses, David, and John. Our friend Jen McMurdo that went on an expedition last year and loved it so much, and her husband and their Four children moved to Kenya about six months ago, and they teamed up with us and was with us for, for much of our journey, which was awesome and amazing to see them and work with them. Yeah, it was a great team for sure. First, I need to thank all those who purchased the whitening toothpaste from me. That's how we funded our the humanitarian projects that we did, and it was a big reason in helping Scott and I to be able to get there. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. And I don't know if which ones are brighter, the smiles of those kids in Kenya or the people whose teeth you whiten. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. That's for sure. And I am just so grateful that we were able to pull the funds together for us both to go and experience this together. Because like I said, I've been on four trips and this was your first. It was my first, yes. And I had some eye-opening experiences, had some uh, really cool moments. But just as you were talking about the 100 people, uh, those of you who have been to a third world country and have seen uh, what we consider to be substandard of what people should be living in conditions and things like that, these people are happy and they enjoy living like they live. Uh, they're always looking for something better, just like we are. But they're very content and very happy to be doing what they're doing. Uh, the the sad thing um, that I that I noticed was a lot of uh, garbage and debris. Uh, and as you get closer to the towns, uh, there's just garbage thrown everywhere. They don't have trash receptacles that they throw them in and then haul them and have a garbage man that comes and picks it up and takes it to a landfill or or a incinerator or something like that. So it's just everywhere. And I thought uh, to myself, as you were saying, 100 people, if 100 people just went out and, and walked through an area and picked up all that garbage, it wouldn't take them very long. And they could really make a difference just on something like that. But Maybe that's a project we can do next time. It would be cool. I would have, thought, <laughs> I would have loved to have just grabbed some garbage bags and, and stopped, jumped out of there and just started picking up things. And just to look at a before and after and take a picture of the difference just 
taken a few minutes can do. But I didn't know where to put the garbage once we picked it up. Yeah. They don't have anywhere to put it. Yeah, exactly. So that's another thing on the bucket list. But but our focus on this trip was to install water systems in, in the villages and build garden boxes and to deliver and train in the, the Days for Girls kits to the to the young women. And just to socialize and to, to assess their needs and how we could best help them. Um, and when we so, say help, not give them a handout, but to, to help them to, to be able to help themselves to better their, their circumstances, to be able to um, send their children to school and just to, to lighten their load a little bit in areas that would help them um, in the future. We also visited a, a girls' safe home and delivered about 100 um, Days for Girls kits. And the Days for Girls kits are very amazing and did a little training on that. And it's not us um, white Americans coming over there to do that, but Christine, who is uh, a survivor of some pretty serious stuff in her life, uh, is the head of that organization or that part of the organization in Kenya. She's the, the Kenya ambassador for the Days for Girls. Yes, and she was on our trip for, for, for the beginning and the end part of our trip, and she did the, the training. It was wonderful to watch her in action and, and to train these girls on how to use the Days for Girls kits, which are washable, reusable sanitary pads made from cloth so that the girls are able to continue going to school. Because uh, without out them, um, they drop out of school, and then they're, they're married off young. And so the, the Days for Girls allows them to continue going to school. It's such a great program. And I feel I need to give credit to the founder of the Days for Girls kit, Celeste Mergens, who I believe she lives in Washington, but wonderful, wonderful woman that has created... Uh, a product and a movement that has helped tens of thousands of girls throughout Africa. Now, I, I want to share one more more story about the House of Hope, the rescue center for the for the girls. One of the the women that was working at the center, her name was Josephine, and she had escaped early marriage at the age of twelve years old. Can you imagine being married off at twelve? She escaped by running to a rescue center, just like the one that we were at. Um, this was fueled by her desire to get an education. And she's now 23, and she just graduated with a degree in law with the intent to protect the rights of girls in Kenya. Oh, I was so inspired by her, her courage and, and strength and so touched by her determination and, and resilience. Uh, as I listened to her story, my eyes filled with tears, and as I looked around the room, so were others. Um, you just knew that you were sitting among greatness as you looked into the eyes of Josephine and the other girls. You could see and sense their courage, bravery, strength, and resilience. Um, I look forward to going back again and again to see the great things that these girls will be accomplishing. And I hope to see a time where, where girls no longer have to run away to be safe. We just take so many things in our lives for, for granted. So I'm grateful for these opportunities that help put things in perspective. Now, while the women on the team were at the rescue center, the men were doing, well, the men were taking a break. We went on a fun bike ride that night while the girls did that, so we wouldn't be a, a hindrance or an embarrassment to uh, 
all the women's oh, hygiene. Intimidating. To intimidating. Those girls. That's the yeah. better word for it. So, <laughs> but we uh, on other days we did we poured concrete. We were able to uh, put concrete slabs under a couple of the the drums that we uh, put for for placing for water. So, what we would do is pour a slab of concrete, put this big barrel that's made for uh, just collect the collecting rain. the water. Mm-hmm. And you do a rain gutter system off of the roofs. Uh, many of the huts over there, they're, they're a dung hut um, built from uh, cow dung. But there are a few that have a metal roof. And those metal roofs, they're just corrugated galvanized metal. And we were able to put a gutter system underneath that, collect the water that comes off of it, have it go into the, the big drum or barrel. And then, they, uh, and then we put a tap on the bottom that they can... Put a bucket underneath or something like that and get the water out of it without having to go to the well, river. Their day consists of the women and with some of the, the young children assisting, walking a far distance to the river to fill their, their big jugs. It was five gallon, five gallon. Five gallon cans. And fill them up down at the, at the river. And the women walk with those on top of their heads. And I went down to the river with, with the kids and watched them fill about six or seven five-gallon jugs and helped to carry them, and I could barely, barely carry it. I thought, how do they lift it all the way up and carry it on their head? I don't know. But we had to go down there and get water to pour the concrete pads, and you had to do all that by hand, the mixing yes, we of had the just little wheelbarrows. We mix the cement with the sand. They had a little bit of sand pile there. And then the rocks, we didn't have any rocks, so I thought we weren't going to use rocks. And they said, oh, no, we need rocks. We'll get the kids to go collect rocks. And so the kids ran around with buckets and filled up rocks, and it took them quite some time. They came back with a five-gallon bucket. I dumped it in the wheelbarrow, and I said, okay, we need about seven or eight more of those. And their eyes went big. (laughs) And so, but anyway, they somehow collected all the rocks, and we, we poured some concrete put these barrels on there and then collected it and uh, had the galvanized uh, rain gutter system with the downspout going into the barrel. So we did three of those uh, and it was it was pretty cool. We got better each time. Yeah, got better and faster. Because there's no plans. There's no directions on how to do it. You, uh, you just go get things that you think you might need and somehow make it work. And one of the challenges of Kenya is the lack of tools. So we couldn't just run down to a hardware store. You had to just That's make true. do. Before I left, <laughs> Becky asked me what tools I was going to bring. And I said, well, I don't really want to take a bunch of tools over there. Why don't we just stop by Home Depot on the way out to the <laughs> Mara and we'll grab whatever we need. But it's a far cry from that. And the little... You did take some some tools and, we, and I thank took goodness some Patrick, tools. Patrick, Patrick took some good tools. He took, he took a 10 whole snips of, and, and an open-end <laughs> adjustable wrench and also some what we call channel locks, but they're uh, kind of plumbing pliers, some side cuts, some things that uh, we used a lot, and and a hammer, because I bought a hammer uh, there uh, for $5 and had a pretty good head on it, but it had a pipe handle, which was pretty slick, didn't really have a good grip for it. And so it was just different, things that we're not used to, and uh, so it was good Patrick brought some some nice tools. But if anybody's going on one of these uh, trips, it would be yeah great to take a few tools, a Leatherman tool. He had a Leatherman on his side that he used a bunch. We used that quite often. And some duct tape. Yeah, we didn't take duct tape, We've and we didn't take zip ties. Take next time. Duct tape and zip ties would have gone a long ways. <laughs> so great experience. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, you know, even though we were raised in a desert area here in Utah, we live in the desert, this experience in Kenya has shown me firsthand just how precious, pure, clean water from a tap really is. Makes you think before you just turn the water on and let it run. Absolutely. You know, in the water that they, they get each day from the river, that's their drinking water, their cooking water, their bathing water. Yeah. Do they purify it or do they just no, boil it? Yep. They just boil it. Not before they drink it. I mean, they just, they boil it in their cooking. Yep. But they, they grow up with that water, so they're immune to it. If we were to drink it, we'd get really sick. Yep. Because it doesn't look clean, uh, the rivers. I'm sure they find certain areas that do, but it's the same water that they bathe in down there in the river, and they also wash their clothes at the river, and then they also fill their tubs and bring it back up to their their houses. And, and Becky said they put some of them on top of their heads. Uh, a lot of them put them over their backs and have a little uh, piece of fabric that's going like a headband that goes from the barrel or from the jug up to the their forehead and around there, and they carry it with their head, the strength of their head, but on their back. Uh, I was very impressed with that. That would have to be amazing neck strength. But uh, everybody has their own jobs. The women go get the water every day. They take care of the laundry. They take care of the kids. It's not a man's job. They pretty much do everything, they do the everything. women. Yeah, the men do uh, surprisingly more cooking than I thought. The women do the cooking in the house with the fire in their, uh, in their hut. But it's a lot of just rice cooking and, and things like that, where the men uh, do the slaughtering of the goat um, or Which the sheep. Which is only sheep. on a special, on special occasion. They, they rarely have the, the goat or the, the cow. Yeah. They, they, their diet each day consists of just the rice. Rice, rice. rice and milk, milk from their, from their goats. Yeah, they do. And the women milk the animals. But uh, the men, well, I'm trying to think of things the men do. They don't build the house. <laughs> no, they do. no. <laughs> no. But they do take care of the care of the flocks. Yeah, the, yeah, children, so they, the, the sheep, children actually take they, care they, of the they, flocks. Okay, so what do the men when do? When you become an elder, <laughs> an adult, you have earned this the spot to not have to do anything as so a male. <laughs> over there, the women the women do everything. They do it all, and the kids take care of the animals, mm-hmm. and the. Uh, the men just kind of sit back. So I think we should maybe move there. <laughs> this is one of the reasons I really, really wanted Scott to go with me. Because I I wanted them to see how married couples here, how we interact and how we work together. And we can do things side by side. It doesn't have to be a man's job or a woman's job. Now, not to change their culture or tradition, but to let them see a different way and perhaps plant a seed. And I know in our in our drivers that have been driving the 100 humanitarian expeditions for a couple of years now, they use the same drivers, it's been fun to watch the, the changes in, in them. And John, one of our drivers, when we went to his village, his mother was cooking chapati for us, which is like a tortilla. And John was right in there rolling the dough and, and cooking too. And that is really unusual. And I loved that he would do that and allow the the boys in the village to see him helping his mother. Yeah, because that doesn't happen. Uh, I mean, we have our chores around here that are man and and woman i mean that's for sure you, wednesdays you take out the garbage chore yeah, so i take and... the garbage out each week <laughs> that's that's a big chore 
and you clean the house, you do the laundry, you cook the food, um, but that's all you do. <laughs> yeah, and all, and that's I, all you do is take out the and garbage. And I take out the garbage, yes. So. <laughs> it's, so it's pretty much the yeah, same it's the here same. as in, yep, so. in Kenya. Uh, one of the coolest things is, is we visited David Sanchez's village. He's one of our, our drivers. We visited his village and his sweet, sweet father, he's one of the eldest in the in the village. And he he gave me my Maasai name in a blessing last year. And this year, since it was your first time, he gave you a Maasai name. What he was did. and what was your name? Lomanyak. Which means it means the blessed one or the lucky one. So I'll go with that. Yeah. So my Maasai name is Nolari which means rain, rain or bringing abundance, because rain to them is abundance. That means God is, is blessing you. So, And so since I have abundance in my life, because you're in my life, that makes me the lucky one or the there, blessed one. There you go. So yes. So that works. <laughs> so the new people on the, on the trip received their Maasai name and a blessing, and we all sat around a fire why the, while the man killed a goat, and that was kind of sad. Not just kind of. It, it, it was a different goats, experience for different people. Um, goats some of the to people, me were pets because we raised, raised goats, goats for many, But that's many, our many culture. Years. We've become a culture that looks at them as pets, where I sat there and watched every minute of it just eating this up, thinking that this goat, it became a spiritual moment of this goat giving life to sustain life. And not only one life, but a life of a village. And and that's that's what I think God intended for animals um, instead of just being and, looked at. And they utilized every single part of They did. There was nothing goat. left to waste. And it was, a, it was an awesome moment that they didn't take lightly. They didn't um, ever, ever put the goat down or make him feel uh i don't know like he they put him on a pedestal of what that goat meant to them to sustain their lives and i was impressed with that yeah and then they cooked that goat on the fire uh right in front of us and as it was cooking they sang and danced and then when it, it was done they cut off slabs of meat and passed it around to us we had the real Maasai experience. It was. Like not, not many tourists get to experience that. Because David, one of our drivers, we were able to, to have that experience as, as he took us into his village and, and got to experience there that. There was about 20 or so homes. I didn't count them. I wish I had. They were in a big round circle. And as Moses talked about in his episode, that they build their homes in a circle. That that means that signifies love. Uh, all the doors are facing the same direction, so they try to avoid the, the area where the storms come from. And the animals all come into the middle. They have a fence around the outside of their village, and then every night they bring all the animals in. They put the goats in a pen, and then the cows are just free to wander around, and they take the little babies off of the goats and the sheep. So during the night, the mothers will uh, build up milk, and then in the morning they'll milk them before they send them out to the to the fields again. Uh, a very, very systematic way they do everything. Every morning, right at first light, they, they pay attention to the sun. They don't think, oh, I always go to bed at you know midnight and get up at They at don't have an alarm nine. on their phone. Yeah, they, they have the sun. They, when the sun comes up, they're out doing their stuff. When their sun goes down, they bring them back in, and then they go to bed. So 
Very, yeah. very simple life. Yes, and the, the children's diet mostly consists of the, the goat milk. They get a glass of milk in the morning when they wake up and a glass of milk at night before they go to bed. And, and if they're fortunate to have rice or potato soup during, during the day, they get that added bonus. And then that's where the garden boxes come in, where we were able to build some garden boxes in some of the villages where we were able to put a fence around it. But in the garden boxes, we planted carrots and onions and tomatoes and, and kale so they can add some other some veggies to their, to their diet. And something else, I, I remember being on a, a little excursion with trying to do a survival-type camp. And there was a young man who was, um, had harvested a turkey and was doing the the part of cleaning it, of plucking it, and and taking the meat off so we could prepare it for dinner. And I, he caught me off guard when he said, "I have never handled meat that is warm. It's always been cold because he's always got it from the store, and it's always been in the cooler." And as you were talking about that, I thought of the same opposite of that: is that these kids have never had a cold glass of milk. It's, a, it's yeah. milk straight from the goat or straight from the sheep. Yeah. It's warm. It's all they've ever known. And I loved the children. I took jump ropes and bubbles and, and things that I could play with the kids. And they had never seen bubbles. So the first time you're blowing the bubbles, they're kind of scared. They're wondering what that is. Then they catch on really quickly that it's nothing to be feared and that they can run and jump and pop the bubbles and they giggle and giggle and giggle and giggle. It's so fun. The other thing that they loved was to see pictures of themselves. Uh, a lot of them had never seen a picture or, you know, they don't have mirrors. So they had never really seen what they look like. And so to take a picture of them and then turn your camera and show them, they would just light up and they'd giggle yeah, that was some of my highlights. Pretty amazing, the, the simpleness. But uh, we did get to go on a safari. We saw uh, unbelievable amounts of animals, elephants, giraffes, we saw a leopard, we saw a lion, we saw cheetahs. We saw cheetahs chasing uh, gnu or wild wildebeest. Wild beast. Wildebeest. Uh, wildebeest, wild as they say it. Uh, it was just an awesome experience. But the coolest part was uh, all of the little things, the going to Pastor Ben's church and seeing the oh, people who um, were so dedicated to uh, their God and what they uh, believed to be the best way to show him uh, how much they loved him and appreciated what they had. It was it was a magical, magical moment. It was such a neat experience. And we hope that each one of you get to share that. Uh, we're out of time. Uh, that goes so fast. And we just wanted to share a few of those experiences with you. Hope we didn't scare you off by some of these things because you've fear leaving your comfort to go do something like this and and to sit around a fire and eat goat uh <laughs> i think i think these are magical moments that uh that everybody needs to go through and so if they have anything to do something like this reach out to us we'd love to hook you up yes we would but to be realistic a small number of people would be able to to go to a, a third world country but there are people to serve all around you no matter where you live there are people to serve in your neighborhoods in your families in your communities in your school it's been my experience so when i serve in any capacity that's when i feel god's love that's when my cares and worries float away. That's when things are put in perspective. Go out and shovel the neighbor's driveway. <laughs> if you live in a, in a winter wonderland, yeah, shovel the neighbor's driveway. Get them all along. 
just anything to make someone's day brighter. So it'll make your day better. So thanks for joining us, everybody. All right. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.